It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, Physician no. explains how you can increase the volume. Why would you want to do that? Oh, I'm not that. <laughs> Minute Tim's flagship podcast episode 321. I'm your host Jamie, and I'm joined after a massive weekend of domestic football by Melly. Yes, and Stephen. Hello. Melly points to the seven behind him. Stephen, seven points clear. It's all coming up roses at Celtic Park. It was a wonderful match of football. It's all a bit stinky over Ibrox way, but we're obviously <laughs> we're going to start off talking about talking about Glasgow Celtic. I said last week. Um, on one of our various podcasts, might have even been the flagship, that what I want to do is get a firm grip now on the domestic stuff, heading into the the break for what will be probably the world's most dismal World Cup. So I want to get a good grip on the domestic stuff and it couldn't have went any better. No, and it was it was the Breakfast of Champions. I joined mm. you on that particular podcast during the week there to catch up on all the news that happens in between flagship recordings on patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims. Stealing your job. What, what a flawless sentence that was. You are a natural. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, what a weekend it was. It, it only became more and more important that Celtic got that absolutely extraordinary mm. victory at the end the longer the weekend went on, particularly <laughs> around sort of lunchtime on Sunday. It started to feel like a massive result there. Uh, I'm not going not gonna to sugarcoat it. The game wasn't great. I oh, didn't no. enjoy the game at all, but the, it, it was all worth it for the last three or four minutes, which were absolutely sensational. A strange game. Celtic got themselves ahead and then you could sort of sense that it was... It was swaying in the second half. Not that Dundee United were playing brilliant or anything, but just had a couple of wee chances. They'd one cleared off the line, then they hit the post. It's like, come on, Celtic, get this third goal. Then Dundee United equalised. But in the past, you'd maybe go, oh, well, that's it. Or maybe this time last season, it would have been, well, that's our two points dropped. But with the way this team is, the way they play now, we've got the players to bring on as well. And we kept going to the end and got the goals. It was like, the equalised were a couple of minutes to go, but it wasn't as if it was panic stations for a, a lot of people because mm-hmm. you just believe in this team. Literally go out seat and shouted that at the players what? aggressively. Come on, Celtic, <laughs> get this third goal. <laughs> score! Bloody score! Uh, do you think it was a lacklustre performance? Um, it was quite muted. It was quite dull. There was a lot of changes. Do you think... Do you think we we spoke about these changes before? Obviously, it didn't really work out at St Mirren. A lot of changes this time around. I think it was seven changes in the lineup for the game against Dundee United, and it just f- failed to get a spark going a wee bit, didn't it? Uh, yeah, but I, 
if you're asking me whether putting Carter Vickers, Jota and Haxabanovich's <laughs> means you don't get a spark, then I'm not really sure on that. I just think it was one of those games, a sort of post-European game where it didn't quite click into gear. We've all been looking forward to seeing Jota and Haxabanovich. Carter Vickers come back is obviously a bonus, but just a weird one that just sort of petered out towards the end of the first half and the end of the second half as well. And look, Celtic were sort of hanging on for a wee bit then let the nuclear but sparked into life again. I, th- I felt it was just a little bit flat. I didn't think mm. it was absolutely terrible. You weren't looking at it thinking it was just a series of calamitous performances no. across the pitch. There was nothing like that at all. I just felt it was a little bit, a little bit muted and, and dull, as you've already said. You know, I, I remember thinking that we we obviously we record right after the the game yards from the stadium for our at the match podcast you've already had the plug so <laughs> go and go and follow that previous link uh, from a few minutes ago or you can get that on Apple by the way oh, just, yeah, just that's in right. case you yeah. don't know um, on Apple now they do a paid subscription thing and you just basically see in your Apple feed you get match reactions for every Celtic match and just to subscribe you just double click that Apple Pay button and then two pound forty nine a month. Every single week or every single Celtic game, you get a match reaction. Just helps us. It helps us keep going. Pays for all this stuff. You'll feel good. You did it. We'll feel good. You did it. Everybody will feel good. You did it. Yeah, Just it. go in there and take a couple of clicks, and everyone's happy. But yeah, <laughs> I, we do that immediately after the game, and uh, already my mind was starting to drift to what on earth I was going to say about mm. the game to react in any way. And I remember looking up at the clock and thinking, "There's still 25 minutes of this game to go. This this godforsaken game." Because at that point, it felt reasonably comfortable if it was 2-1 and I thought right this is just going to be one of those slightly dull games where it just sort of peters out we've got the victory we move on to the next one then it all kind of went a bit a bit awry towards the end but it was just just a very very kind of flat performance mm. and this the stadium felt a little bit a little bit quiet as well not I mean the, the atmosphere wasn't bad it just felt a little bit quiet it was probably punctured a little bit by the amount of VAR use in the, yes. the first half the first half went on about what the, Five, five minutes, minutes, five minutes injury time in the first half. So maybe everybody was just just uh, feeling the tedium of that a little bit in the second half. But yeah, the the ending was well worth sitting through oh, the previous eighty minutes of nonsense. Uh, there's a couple of guys who definitely enjoyed the end of that Celtic game, and we'll bring them up in a wee minute. But we might as well talk about VAR again. Third third week of having VAR. Third week of having VAR discussion on the podcast about a, a weird decision. Berlin based handball. Um, I've got to say, when I first saw it, I couldn't figure out whether it was a goal or uh, whether it was definitely a handball or not. Then when I've started seeing replays online, I thought, has he been a bit cute here? Has he got an idea that the ball's passed him? So he's kind of thrown an arm out just to see what happens. Because I feel like Burnley is the sort of character that might have that in him, trying to be a little bit cute. Then the more I watched it, I just thought, there's no chance that yeah, an yeah. A, there's no chance that it's a handball. Not you said it, Stephen, as we were re-watching the game and for the podcast because we do our homework on this podcast. Um, you were like, not you, and I didn't notice this at the time, but you said not a single player. No, appealed for it. I think that there was one. Melly pointed out there was a, a guy kind of off to the side who mm. probably saw his arm coming up, who reacted. But Stephen Fletcher, who had the header, didn't react at all. We didn't claim for anything. He just challenged for the ball again and play went on. So the the, the handball, the, the handball that was given and booked. I mean. The, See if you're going to give the penalty for it, and your your explanation is that his hand was away from or his arm was away from his body. All that these tedious rules have been talking mm. about for weeks now. Then fine, but the idea that he gets booked for that, as if it's in any way deliberate, I think is complete nonsense. The there, there's been various debates. Uh, I saw, heard Robbie Nielsen talking about handballs and and the use of VAR and all that on Sports Sound. I like him, you know, and he said, or it was it was put to him that 
the handball isn't the, the rules aren't very helpful and they're still a wee bit subjective he then said no they're not subjective and mm. then went on to talk about all the reasons that they are indeed subjective and he said <laughs> and you're talking you're talking about the, making yourself big I mean how big is big yes Robbie that's what subjective means <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of objective so I we're never going to get any sense in this until we actually get some sort of clarification on what the rules are. Mikey Stewart, for a change, was making the case the other way. Um, I actually agreed with him. We don't often agree, Mikey, but <laughs> mm. uh, he said that, or he pointed out rather, it wasn't his opinion. He just said, people don't understand these rules now because part of the rule is that if your body shape changes as a consequence of you having moved, so if you jump and your arm comes out, that's not a handball. So that surely falls into that category. And then, further to, further to this, I'm getting all my handball stuff out in but one go here. But it's doing because yeah. we can't make Edna Taylor this handball rule and it's written down somewhere and whilst you're talking, I'm off camera Googling. <laughs> right. Right? Because obviously it that will be... call it. Uh, yeah, it will it'll be, it'll be written down somewhere within IFAB exactly what the handball rules are. And I saw on Twitter someone was saying that Jerry McCulloch at halftime on, on Celtic TV read out the handball rules so we could get an understanding of this. Right. But I'm I'm almost reticent to do that because I, I don't care what it says written down in the tome of IFAB rules. It's silly. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter what the actual rule is. As it is just now, it does not work. And then even the, away from the, the, the wording of the rule, it, we're looking for some sort of VAR is supposed to bring in some sort of consistency. It's supposed to bring in some sort of rea reliability in the application of the laws so what about that Hearts one then what about that yeah. Hearts one from a few weeks ago where a guy just blatantly handballed it Ange Postogoglu is standing on the side of the pitch he's head in his hands uh, laughing about it why is that a handball in this you know why and it's because what we said before VAR came in it goes it doesn't matter how many cameras you've got or how good the cameras are the referees working here don't have a strong understanding of the game now yeah. I can say you know the, the refs should know the rules right whilst they're on the pitch but the guy in the VAR studio, surely has beside his computer that he's watching the VAR, he's got a copy of the rule book. That's right. the whole purpose. So he can look at him and go, well, actually, what do you think about that, Argyle? Uh, <laughs> ask Cameron, Cameron, what do you think about it? You know, yeah. and then they can make the decision. Finley, yeah, Finley make, and Campbell. Make, make, make the decision <laughs> based on what it says in the book. It, but, was, it was Nick Walsh as well, who was the VAR ref, who didn't give us the hearts handball. Right. Oh so. my God, my. <laughs> I mean, where, where does it begin and end? The biggest VAR catastrophe for me or, or the biggest far va farce not farce the biggest fa var farce for me so far has been in the Dundee United game the other week Tony Watt uh, committed a tackle wasn't a red card by the on-pitch referee went to VAR got red carded for it Dundee United appealed it and it was rescinded yeah. how many refs do you need look at that challenge and how many times before the decision's final and it was never a red card either it was never it, a red uh, card no. it's so a shocker over, we're overruling VAR which is supposed to take the pressure off the referee in the first place so yeah. that happens and then we're deciding that VAR's wrong now as well uh, it, does, it, it makes absolutely no yeah. sense to me the They're, big the big thing for me is that VAR's there to get the correct decision fine that's it but it's meant to be clear and obvious isn't it mm. well if no player claimed for it the referee didn't have a scooby about it <laughs> So if it's clear and obvious, then surely the guy, the VAR guy goes, that's a penalty. Yeah. He doesn't go five minutes. What was it? It was about four or five minutes mm. before we get the decision. Yeah, okay. So he watched it again and again, couldn't get a decision. The referee then has to go over and watch it and takes plenty of time. That's not clear and obvious. No. So what's the point here? Is it just, this is why we were so worried about it because it wasn't going to be, ah, this is going to help our refs. This is the exact thing they need. 
they don't need this because they can't even make the decision without seeing the the, the mm. a replay of it. So what difference is a replay going to make? It's just going to confuse them even more. There was another VAR call um, with a Craig Sibold challenge. Was it Craig Sibold yeah. challenge? Yeah, like high boot. High boot on serious foul play was the, the the thing on the screen, was wasn't it? A potential serious foul play. Yeah, I didn't think there was much in that either. Nah, he kind of led with a high boot, um, and then sort of pulled out. Mm. He kind of pulled out. I think he eventually sort of brushed Yakimakis with his knee. Eventually, he didn't stud him. Merely sniggering uh, off camera. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, he sort of withdrew <laughs> and um, and and plunged his knee into, into his, <laughs> but I, I don't think it was I don't think it was a straight red no I, I, I didn't have any problem with that to be honest I, I, it looked like a serious tack, you know, tackle because anyone who in any way challenges Yakimakis it does look like a serious well, that's challenge that's what Melly said Melly you called Yakimakis a diving bastard didn't you <laughs> yeah, he does <laughs> he does I mean it's kind of good to have one of those in our uh, team for a oh, change oh yeah definitely and I've noticed how no one's really been so quick to pull him up Kyogo got it remember mind that yep. Kyogo was a cheap patter that, yes. that, that was bubbling didn't bubble under but bubbled over no, no one's yet to call Yakimakis a cheat, but he does like a wee dive, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And, uh, that one, uh, it wasn't a, a red card at all, I don't think. Uh, at least they checked it, but uh, he loves a wee dive a bit. Just do it a bit better, mate. What do about Aaron, Aaron Moy's dive against Real Madrid, was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Using all his experience there, that was one of the worst dives I've ever seen in my life. That was reminiscent of, uh, do you know who else is a terrible diver? Yeri Yarashik. <laughs> He was awful at diving. His main role eventually became the team diving so Naka could hit free kicks. Famously against Man United, yeah. of course. So cheers, Yuri. That was him. Uh, Craig Sibold, want to send him to the Varber. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world has that boy got in his dome? Endless stream of var puns, and it? Absolutely oh, it tremendous. It never ends. Carter Vickers was back, Melly. Yeah, it was good to see him back. Uh, missed him during the week, obviously. Mm. Uh, Starfield had to come in, but he just brings that calmness to the defence. And... Uh, Dundee United got back into the game for a penalty, but up until the end, they weren't really creating anything. It was just a nothing they got the penalty out of, but good to see the big man back and missed the odd game here or there. And when he's out, you do really miss him and hopefully now get these two games before the World Cup with him, Jens and Starfield in contention for playing. We're starting to look strong with Jota, Haksabanovic, everybody back bar Cal McGregor now. The World Cup's a bit of a, a bit of a pain in the arse, isn't it really? Because normally at this period you want to start increasing that lead and it looks as though Rangers are got a bit of trouble. Things aren't really going so well down Ibrox way. We are starting to get good players back. I just feel like this World Cup's coming at the wrong time for us a wee bit. Uh, is it, is it potentially saving GVB's job here yeah, is that what we're saying that's good for us it? I, 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 I think there's already they're already starting to feel like don't like talking about it but our disastrous season mm. in it. it's starting to feel a bit like that I, I can foresee them having to make numerous statements backing the manager and all that no it's already one today yep yeah, that's yeah. it business as usual I believe they called mm. it so the, the thing is I don't want to dedicate too much time to talking about them, but they did lose this weekend, yeah. so we're entitled to it. But they, That's what competition's all about. <laughs> exactly. Keep it friendly. But I think they're already <clears> starting <throat> to fall foul or fall victim to that weird thing we've got in Scotland. It's a weird thing, weird mm. fixation we've got in this country with not sacking managers. We act like it's sort of in some way undignified so, or we're all above it oh, come on uh, they are dignified uh, well, yeah. that's what I was going to say uh, I've seen this argument from yourself in yeah. the discord and all that which is the best Celtic community online the, uh, our TMT discord um, I, I think it's only Rangers that do that though mm. because I think Celtic 
They've sacked a lot, quite a lot of managers recently. Know, they look don't at come the Lennon thing, though. Goodness, well, that was yeah, three that, months of abject misery. That was, that. A, that was a different story, admittedly, because <laughs> Lennon had a, for some reason a lot of cachet <laughs> with the Celtic board. But I mean, Tony Mowbray unceremoniously yeah. pumped out, and Ronnie Dyla was sacked. But this, but you, but you have touched on something. This. Uh, this is going to become an albatross around their neck because Rangers fans, or Rangers as a club, I don't really know how the fans feel about it, but they've always historically said, oh, we don't sack managers, but obviously they have. I mean, they've, they've <laughs> sacked Paul Le Guin, they sacked Alex McLeish, Warburton. Warburton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuart McCall, I'm sure, was sacked as well. <laughs> <laughs> Unless these guys are all still employed by Rangers, Alan McCoy, uh, he was on garden leave. So, But uh, that, this could become an albatross around their neck. Oh, we don't we don't sack managers. Is, could Giovanni become the first Rangers manager to actually, actually get sacked? <laughs> And would that be good or bad for our season? Uh, bad. Well, I, d I don't know. The thing is, I, I can't see any... Van Bronckhorst was the easy get, right? He mm. was an out-of-work manager with a bit of a reputation, a guy who is huge standing at the club, mm. a good player for signed them and all Signed his off with We Are The People. Exactly. <laughs> he gets the club, signed his text off with We That's Are The People. That's their equivalent of Knows The City. Yeah. <laughs> so the, he was the easy get. Now I'm looking around thinking there aren't any obvious candidates mm. here because... Uh, I have treated myself to some Rangers-based media, right, oh. over, over the last couple of days since they lost. And not Well, some tweets and posts on forums do, are passed around in our circles. And they can't think of a single thing past get some get some right good white British Protestants yeah. in. It's like, it's like it's it's Kevin Thompson. Protestant work ethic. Yeah. That for, was a, what was that? That was a comment on a podcast, it wasn't was, it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're lifting that from a Rangers podcast, incidentally. Yeah, yeah that, that was a, a Rangers podcast where famous tweeter, I won't even give the name actually, said that what they were missing was a good Protestant work ethic. The day <laughs> after they were gubbed by Liverpool and mm. all of the goals were scored by a Muslim and a Brazilian <laughs> guy, who, which is the most Catholic country <laughs> on earth. So I don't yeah. know, they would have needed Reverend Paisley to, to be at the centre half to prodde that up against that tidal wave. They've really, they've really backed themselves into a corner, I think, with a lot of their signings and stuff. And I think when you see the likes of Alan McGregor and goal, it, it, it looks to me like a mistake and it does look a wee bit from the outside, it looks like, yes, it is very reminiscent of Celtic's sort of 10 in a row pursuit, holding on to players too long, not bringing in the right players. And it's it's fantastic to watch. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really, really sensational. Well, that's, that's exactly what I meant by the, the refusal to sack a manager thing, because mm. that's what we went through. That was We were basically made to feel guilty for wanting rid of a manager. The board kept coming out and telling us it was out of order. We were you know, entitled yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And we don't do that. It's better to support and all that kind of stuff. So they're going to go through all these mm. various stages of denial and grief, I reckon. There is one man who might fancy the job, uh, David Martindale. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he was on all, Open All Mics on BBC Scotland. Lovely stuff. Uh, it was absolutely tremendous. Listen to him and I think it was Shelley Kerr discussing no, it. was Leanne Crichton. Was it Leanne Crichton, was it, discussing the dying embers of what they thought was the dying embers of the Celtic game. Like, ah, David Martindale were giving it. Oh, did you start? Just think, this is another football manager, by the way, <laughs> right? So, ah, uh, Celtic just look out of ideas. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm no, I think to be fair to Leanne Crichton, she says, I think Celtic might still be able to create something. He yeah. was, he was like, absolutely not. No, no, no. He was so sure, Stephen, he was so sure that Celtic couldn't get into this melee. Did you hear him? Did oh, you, yeah. Did you hear about this? Eh? I, I went between that and another one we might talk about as well. It was great listening because you get the full version of it mm. from Dundee United scoring to Celtic scoring. And he's against it like, David, we pumped your team last week. <laughs> yeah. We ripped you apart <laughs> on your own turf. But it was great to listen to the pain because he's just... Right then, so who's even marking Kyogo? Just if it can't hold in that frustration. <laughs> yeah. see, see, to be honest, the Dundee United players were the same because see if you watch Kyogo's goal, 
think it's number 15. I'm not sure who the Dundee United player is as I glance down here quickly and no, I can't figure it out. <laughs> uh, he's, he sees Kyogo at the end of the box. He's going, he's doing this two-handed point, right? Like he's, Kyogo. And then as Kyogo runs into the box, he's just following him with his hands, but not with his legs. And he's just <laughs> like, ah, he's screaming as Kyogo heads the ball in the back of the net. Meanwhile, this guy's marking absolutely nobody. <laughs> Well, at the very end of our At The Match podcast, you could start to hear fireworks going off because it was the, the 5th of November and it was Greg Taylor's birthday. So the yep. celebrations were starting across the city. Happy but the, birthday, Greg. Yep, <laughs> you could actually hear the fireworks, but the biggest rocket was yet to come <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I was on my way home from the game and I heard David Martindale on uh, Radio Scotland referring to himself in the third person repeatedly, talking about, oh, you know, if Livingston want David Martindale, then David Martindale's here for them. And I was like, I'm gritting is the himself, Is this him talking himself into, trying to talk himself up for the Angels job uh, it could be well I reckon to do that he would have had to have called himself Mr Martindale of course <laughs> that's right yeah you're right <laughs> you're right okay but I, yeah I know another extraordinary performance by the Scottish media the lame stream media it in was, this country uh, Hugh Keevans right now <laughs> listen still, still going Hugh Keevans is on the verge of being a, a national treasure <laughs> right he <laughs> is on the verge of being a national treasure Hugh Keevans was a Twitter troll before Twitter existed yeah. that's basically what Hugh Keevans job is and he has stuck he has manned that post admirably <laughs> has Mr Keevans he is like one of these Japanese soldiers in the jungle that still thinks World yeah, War II yeah. is going on you're like <laughs> Hugh this is not we, we don't need to do this anymore you uh, can talk honestly about the football no no the war's still going and I must stick to my post I'm not leaving my post and he's okay Hugh so Hugh he didn't he didn't just like say oh it's looking bad for Celtic he went, he, he wrote a column on it he basically spoke Oh, it's, this is it on a big weekend. Celtic coming back. They really needed to make moves, and this look, you know, Celt the story of Celtic's Champions League. I said they can't take chances, and then today they stop. Oh, their Celtic scored <laughs> like, after it happened to him two or three weeks ago. Again, I, I know you're like you. You don't. You don't have to do this. Is it? Is a captain solemnly going down with a ship? Is it, even it, though oh, he's yes. yards from dry land, basically <laughs> just standing there on the bridge. <laughs> just give it. Right, you're like, oh, when are these guys ever ever going to learn? When are these team's going to learn Melly because Ange came out after the game and he goes it's not a fluke it's not just a saying yeah. these players they don't believe there's any such thing as a, a lost cause we don't stop chasing the win and it, it, it's just like these idiots necessarily don't get it these bums it's not getting into their <laughs> head that's how Celtic play Ange has brought Ange plays 90 minutes of football and it's no difficult and it's not new you know Gordon Strachan's team's got last minute goals certainly not the way Ange's team just keep attacking and attacking and attacking to the last minute. He's got it drilled into them. But there's just nothing these teams can do against when Celtic keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, is there? No, there's not. There's a, there's a bit of everything here because like, there's no coincidence Celtic do it a lot of the time. We have the best technical players, the fittest players, and we've got the quality to do it. But it's mm. also a lot of it now is a mentality thing. Like Celtic, as soon as they letting that goal Joe Hart grabs the ball and flings it straight to the halfway line they believe they can score mm. and then when Celtic start to create small chances the fear gets into Dundee United because the crowd can sense it and all that and, like, and the quality we bring off the bench it murders these yeah, guys we, we yeah. brought on Maeda we brought on uh, James Forrest and Abada I thought it was a bit early for that in the game but we have good players on the pitch that can score goals and it's even just the simple things like when we got the corner, I was looking down at O'Reilly and he just stands there, takes a massive deep breath, composes himself and whips that ball in. 
players aren't panicking. Mm. They're doing the right things, breathing, just getting it in the box. And for Dundee United as well, you've got a corner against Celtic who are not the tallest team. Giacomacus is off the pitch. You've basically got two centre-halves to mark. And Celtic make the runners because they've got the desire. They want to go better. They want to get that goal. It was brilliant. And look, the fourth goal was absolute butter, as you'd say. But... <laughs> <laughs> don't think I've used that this season, but it is a good, uh, a good word. Uh, it was amazing, but the feeling at that third goal, because you knew that was the winner, mm. man, it was unbelievable. And you just, because I was going out that night and I, I was meeting up with some bears, so I thought, oh, the first time, you, you just worry about <laughs> Rangers that. Rangers fans. Yeah, in that split <laughs> second. So, but to get that goal just set us off, man, and it was a, a tremendous feeling. The place went absolutely wild. A fourth goal made by... Dyson Maeda's inability mm. to control a ball. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> the bit long, but I think it was O'Reilly who yeah, was, was. Ball, pinged it through. It was a great ball. But Maeda tries to take it down. It just bounces right past his toe and a bad is on to it like a shot. So what he played a his finish, part. by the way. Oh, it was great. Nice. Yeah. Scoop. I did think for a, a single second, we were kind of behind that, sitting in the halfway and we're kind of behind about it. Thought for a second, oh, he's got that stuck under his feet. Mm. And he's going he kind of did. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, I thought I did think that he's going to end up smashing us straight at the keeper. So he pulled that out of the bag just at the very last second. Absolutely brilliant. The but, boy's a striker, not a winger. Uh, Take well, the face facts. Uh, it does. It does seem he have those all the attributes that would be pretty good for that, mm. and none of the attributes that would make him a good <laughs> winger. Nah, that that's obviously jokingly harsh. But I, I take nothing away from that finish. It's absolutely brilliant because it's cause it wasn't as it wasn't as pleasing a goal, obviously, right? But we spoke about Jota's goal against Rangers and that his touch, the finish was all he could do, basically. Mm, that was yeah. the only place he could put it because it would have been the easiest thing in the world to just smash that straight at the keeper, such the was the position he was in. But Abada had, had basically had no choice but to flick that or rather scoop it over the, the on-rushing keeper and he did it absolutely perfectly. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's never too early to play holiday music and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this season jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favour and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products that have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack. (laughs) And so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code TIMS for free shipping and 20% off, Stephen. That's right, Jamie. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Packages shower products. All of Manscaped's shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, yep, can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Wonderful. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIMS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TIMS. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. I mean, the two goals, the two winning goals, we can both call them both winning goals, I suppose. The two winning goals were scored by two guys that came off the bench, but the man of the match was won by the, one of the guys that started, Haksabanovich. I'm so glad we've bought him. I'm so glad we've bought him. Yeah, like, I don't think he was brilliant in the game, but yeah. scored scored two mm. goals. Uh, first Helped one, by the Dundee United goalkeeper, who was rubbish, man. Uh, uh, the first one was a, a better finish than we maybe give him credit for at the game, because it's a bit of a tough angle. Mm. Second one, decent enough hit, but I'd be expecting your keeper to do better than that. I was just excited to see him and Jot on the pitch at the same time on either flank. It didn't quite didn't quite fly as well as I thought no. it would, but I don't think MD was terrible for Celtic. I don't think MD played particularly well either. So it's just one of those games. But I think going forward, those two are just going to be great for us. And Haksabanovich, when he first... I'm not quite used to him like, being a Celtic player. That's because, hit me as because well, Because yeah. it was always, he's coming on loan, he's coming on loan, he's coming on loan. Then it was, what, five-year deal? Mm. And you're like, wait a minute here. It was just announced at the very last second. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted we've got him because I think he can play anywhere across the three behind the striker and I just love watching him play and having Jota back as well for these two games is another bonus. Packers yeah. and Jota, is that your preferred wing pairing? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I th- He's in the same position as basically everyone else who is competing for these positions in that he might not necessarily be all that natural on the right, but he's going to have to suck up and deal with it because yeah. Jota is the main guy on the left. Until further notice, he's he's got that position. There will, there will be games where he can come in and probably start off the left and if you know, Jota could potentially get a rest, he was injured for a little bit there anyway, but until such times that happens, he's going to need probably get used to it, either playing on the right or maybe in the slightly more central role that we saw him in recently. Glad he got his goals. It was the one thing he was missing because mm. I'd felt like up to this point, he was creating an awful lot, making himself really useful, winning fouls around the edge of the box that, that led to goals and all that. But I felt like he hadn't even had really any big chances yet. He hadn't really even missed any chances. So nice to get on the, the score sheet at home. The first one I did think was harder a chance to take than it looked. A very close range, of course, but it was a slightly tight angle because he was just on the post. But if, if you watch it back, Jota really choked the cross. He mm. kind of hit it right into the ground and it was bouncing up again by the time it came to Haksabanovic's foot. So he did well to get that in. The second one was... 
at the game, it looked like that was the nicer finish because it went across across the keeper into the bottom corner from the the opposite side of the box. But the keeper was woeful for that. Yeah. I have to, I have to say, really, really poor. It was basically straight at him, and he just kind of pushed it into the bottom corner. Just a wee simple thing, but it's nice having a good number seven and number nine in it. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to have them back. It's. I actually think that Celtic, as all these players are coming back, I mentioned it before, we're sort of getting the, the strong period. You're looking and you're going with everyone fit. Is there a question over, a genuine question over who's Ange's best 11? Because there's so much competing in every area of the pitch now. Another player that came back was David Turnbull. I thought he did okay. But do you think David Turnbull's one of these players who might struggle for some game time going forward? Well, I think it's a subject we'll probably end up talking about tonight because mm. there was some stuff that came up in the AGM over transfers and you know rotating or rather kind of regenerating the squad every so often. Ange, talk, we could talk about it now yeah, if well, you want. Aye. But as it pertains to David Turnbull, Ange has said, if, if anybody's not aware, that he, he, to be successful, Celtic need a lot more activity in the transfer market. And it's kind of music to our ears in a certain way, but it also kind of prepared us for the fact that uh, that means players will have to go as well. People want to get behind their heroes. They want to have players for a long time, but it doesn't work these days. You need to move players on. So I, I can see a point where David Turnbull potentially becomes surplus to requirements eventually at Celtic. Not because I don't think he's a good player. I, I really do. I think he was you know, kind of instrumental in winning the league last year, which was massive. But there comes a time where we're going to have to refresh this squad again and mm. improve on it. And I think David Turnbull might be a victim of that. Should, but that's a that's a good thing for yeah. Celtic, and I think that's why I kind of agree with what Ange said because yeah. I know it's sort of there was a lot of disquiet caused by Ange's con, um, comments, and people were sort of no, you can't. We're going to that mean just we're going to sell all our best players, and you think to yourself, I, you know, this is the obviously it's a two sided two sided agreement. The agreement is Ange is happy to relinquish his best players and sell them on melee, move them out in the transfer market and see Celtic be more active with new, better players coming in and new investment coming in. Celtic have kind of got one part of that right, kind of, in the past. They've no always backed up the other part, although you could say now, this season, the recruitment's been really, really strong. But you think, well, some of these players, if they're going to go, if that's the, the, the price we have to pay to move this club on, and we've got a manager who's willing to do that, and a manager that's saying, look, trust me with it, some of the big names might go, your Matt O'Reilly's might go. David Turnbull, for me, is... If this new, more aggressive transfer strategy is what Ange wants to see, uh, no-brainer for me that David Turnbull probably yeah. end up out because he should end up out because he's not improving the squad and we've improved him and he should move on. It's other players I think Ange was maybe alluding to the... On one side of the spectrum, I think he was alluding to the fact that we hold on to players too long. Yeah. James Forrest, no offence to James Forrest, he's done all right for us recently, but Ange is probably looking at a guy like Forrest going, he's good to have about, he's a strong player, but you know, given the choice, I would have moved him on a couple of years ago. Oh, we gave him a new contract last season. Well, that, well, I don't know if that was entirely Ange's, is Ange's doing. I think he likes having James Forrest about, but I think if Ange is going to be more aggressive in the transfer market, wind the clock back when James Forrest has some transfer value, is what I'm saying, he probably wouldn't have moved them on. Matt O'Reilly... There's talk of him. Going to be inevitable, Yeah, there's talk of Juranovic. I've heard rumours that Juranovic is looking for a new club again in January. So these things coming up, we just maybe have to accept that now. Yeah, Celtic are in a sort of decent position because we have got players who we do think will go, like O'Reilly, probably Juranovic, possibly. Mm. Uh, but Jota, of course, and maybe Carter Vickers. But we've also got guys like... Kyogo, Giacomacus, who are older than you, we maybe think, mm -hmm. and Starfield as well, guys like that. So we've got players, even guys like Hitati, 
25 we could but yeah. is there going to be Premier League teams that take a chance on him in the next two years I'm, I'm not so sure so despite how, how good we think he is but guys like O'Reilly and that I think that's inevitable they'll go Celtic have got a nucleus of a squad but with David Turnbull I, I kind of disagree with you I think guys like that like what's the cost of keeping David Turnbull because he's Scottish which we need for the Champions mm. League he is a good squad player he played a lot when he was available and if I'm looking at the midfield options our best three are McGregor Hattati and O'Reilly who's next after that I'd probably say Turnbull I think the, I think the point is though you sell Turnbull and you bring somebody else in that's better than Turnbull but yeah. you're, what you're saying is right he's Scottish yeah, so you're, that's point, about it my point after that is Aaron Moy's not going to be here long term mm. McCarthy's not here long well he is here long term but he's no playing Edigucci's not playing so Abelgaard's barely featured so mm. our options in that position are Hattati O'Reilly McGregor and Turnbull why not keep the guy that we don't need to have every single player or you're a starter we can have guys like Welsh like Turnbull that stay here for a long time and contribute to the team he's out of contract in 18 months so if we are going to tie him down we should be doing it soon or if we are going to move him on move him on but we're running the risk of I get we have to improve but it, while we're going to lose other players I don't think or Turnbull's one of the ones we should be looking to actively move on top Celtic podcaster disagrees with manager <laughs> do you hear that Stephen that's yeah. exactly what we're dealing with here yeah my, my position on Turnbull was never uh, from a point of view that he's he's not good enough um, to play for Celtic because he has shown in the past that, that he is and in flashes he, he has done a, a really good job I just I, I wonder that if we are take take the take the, the pitch to Turnbull and tell him that, right, you're homegrown, but basically need to keep you because, you know, we basically need a certain amount of, yeah. a quota of Scottish players, so we kind of need to keep you. But we're going to improve the positions around about you and you'll still be in the same position this time, three years' time, if we get you to sign a new contract. I just don't know if that's good enough for a guy like that um, to, to be in a position like that. Um, and he plays. He's, kind of, he's, he's the better, he, well, he plays when, he plays when other better players aren't fit. So I suppose the barometer would be, David Turnbull's kind of like the barometer for the squad a wee bit. He's a good player, or good enough, not to start, as you say. He doesn't start every week. He's, other players get picked ahead of him. So if, if he stays, right, if there ever comes a point where he's a starter, does that not say that the, the, the overall level of the midfield has dropped and yeah. David Turnbull's managed to find himself yeah. a, a starter again? That, that's yeah, that's, that's what Celtic, my point. Yeah. Celtic are famous for, isn't it? Yeah. That's how... Your hero Charlie McGurry ended up playing in midfield because we, well, we, we sold Ledley, no, we sold one no, Yama. No, all that. no, no, listen, <laughs> listen, listen, right? Okay. We don't normally have disagreements on this podcast, right? But Charlie McGrew played in midfield because he was so talented <laughs> that he could basically turn his hand to anything. And I won't hear a single bad word about said about Charlie McGrew. I don't know if that's in shot. Yeah, he's the shrine to Charlie Aye. McGrew. Just about it could be anyone. That's Aye. literally just a guy with dark hair that's just ab above uh, Mary's well, that's left my shoulder. Charlie, right? <laughs> so you, you, I, honestly, don't mention his name again. <laughs> See what happens, Stephen. So to put a button on it, Turnbull's pish. We need much better than Turnbull. So half get, the player, get him Charlie out, McGrew. Get, <laughs> half the player. Get him out of here. Get him out, Sharon. Charlie McGrew. <laughs> Um, the Champions League is over to turn their attention to again, more pressing is the Champions League over again Goodness the sake. Champions League died so many times um, I, I feel I felt for the Celtic players against Real Madrid I really did feel for them it wasn't the way they, we wanted that game to pan oh. out 
But I, I mean, just you can just clip what we've said about these other Champions League games. You can copy and paste. We didn't look out of place. We played some good stuff. Yada yada yada. Missed our chances, etc. etc. Got no points. It's it was a harsh lesson, wasn't it? The Champions League. Uh, I'm kind of glad it's over now, to be honest, because as much as I can appreciate the positives that it brings to the players, the, the you know, basically invaluable experience that they can take from from playing at that level against that level of player, especially Real Madrid, the the invaluable lessons that the coaches can take from it, from, that the manager can develop on the players, they're never going to play at a higher level than that. So, you know, if they can't take in from that, they're, they're in the wrong job, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But I'm a fan. I'm, I'm not taking any of that from it. I'm not taking any lessons or any experience. I'm not developing anything. I'm just oh, sitting watching the team. I, get, thought you said, I, I thought you were saying you're a fan of that. No, that you're no. a fan of you're a fan of Celtic. I'm getting nothing from it. I'm just sitting <laughs> there getting, watching the team getting humped yeah. away, away from home when we're already out. So I'm just kind of glad that um, we don't have to deal with it anymore now. I'm not one of these guys that said, I'm never, I mean, check the record, bud. I've mm. never, ever been one for saying that Europe is a distraction or anything like that. I don't believe that for a single yeah. second. But there comes a time when you're just playing games that mean nothing and getting gubbed in them. And I, I just, it's you a shame. in one. Well, uh, that's, well, that's what I mean. It's, it's just that, that game I couldn't really be bothered with. It's a shame because it was, it was the the thing that we'd look forward to. It was yeah. 40 years since we've played against Real Madrid. It was the one team everyone wanted. And by the time we played them in their, their famous stadium, it Don't was all... Don't want to play them for 40 uh, years. It, it, was, it was all <laughs> over and it was basically a kind of dead rubber. So it's a shame how it worked out like that. But uh, I am kind of glad that we've, we've kind of got it behind us now and we can focus, as you you said yeah. very recently, just get a firm grasp on domestic duties and, and kind of move on. Again, all was it everything pos- you hoped for? Was the Champions League everything you hoped for when the draw came out? When we were at, at the beginning, we had a wee confab on the podcast. We're saying this is our hopes for the Champions League. This is what we want to see. We did think, you know, at a time we can probably get through this group. I think that's naivety on our part. Because, ah, I, mean, okay. I mean, we are Celtic experts <laughs> and Celtic lovers, but we're not European football experts. So we didn't know how good Shakhtar were. We didn't know how good Leipzig were. And we thought, you know, beating Real Madrid would have been a Hail Mary. It's... How do you feel from the start to now? Ah, it's really hard to, to actually locate that in my in my brain, mm. really, how I felt. Because I think what, what my reaction was at the time of the job was, ah, it's winnable. It's Well, not winnable, not the group was winnable, but it's doable. I think we could possibly get through that. I think that was my, my main feeling about it. As the game slowly ticked away, that became apparent that it wasn't going to happen for us for, for various reasons. So was it everything I'd hoped it'd be? No, nah, because... What we do is, as fans, we just look at the group, we see the names and go, like, yes, we're in the Champions mm-hmm. League and then the games are very different. So I think so. I I don't know. I don't know if it's quite what it, what it was cracked up to be when it when I it think, was first announced, but it, it was an enjoyable experience. I, I think we learned a lot from it mm. as as fans as well, as much as I've just said, I'm not taking anything away from being gubbed in the, the Bernabeu. I think we learned a lot about where the Celtic team are and where, they're, where they need to be to get to progress in this. But... Overall, uh, it wasn't much fun watching them miss chance after chance and uh, letting valuable points slip through the fingers. I think that's the key. I think for me, it's it's a it's a taster 
of where the club need to be yeah, all yeah. the time going forward. It's like getting a free upgrade to business class <laughs> on yeah. a flight. Well, that's just fucking class, actually. <laughs> but it's but you know everyone around you probably flies there all the time. Uh, yeah. So you're sitting there thinking, well, this is the place to be. You know, it's not just good enough getting the free upgrade. You want to come every time you go on holiday, you want to go in business class. Unfortunately, we can't do it. Um, but that, that's kind of what I feel for Celtic. I'm like, right, okay, so you got the Champions League experience. You got the Real Madrid, the Bernabeu, the, the Champions League nights at Celtic Park. Don't make it a one-off. Don't don't make it a one-off. For this tournament, what was missing for me was that scalp, that one result, that one win. Even just, I know one win, not just in terms of points on the board. I would have been a lot hyper to get one win and still not qualify. Just take a scalp somewhere. The two Shakhtar games probably should have won them. We were just just a fraction not good enough in those games to beat to beat the, the Shakhtar team they obviously had Madrid who's going to be a superstar and that's maybe the di- what the difference was in the two teams but overall how do you feel? Uh, I think there is progress I think if we were sitting here going oh we didn't win a game and we didn't look like winning a game like the worst Champions League team in history who they also forgot to mention <laughs> no. that wee bit uh, so you could be sitting there like where do we go from here but Celtic, it's we'll take our chances next time and we'll do a lot better. We created the chances. I think what we did sort of agree on is, look, this group's going to be hard, but we can maybe qualify, but we need to see that we can compete. I think we did compete in the, the four games, even the first Real Madrid mm. game. That one was just one of those ones. Got off to a good start. We didn't, and then it just went downhill for there. But it has to be this has to be the start of something rather than a one-off because... Looking into the Champions League now, the groups are all finished. The eight teams that were fourth pot, uh, there was only seven wins for those games, seven wins for them. Mm. So that's what, 48 games, only seven wins. Three of those were Club Bruges and two of them were Marseille. So only four out of the eight actually won a game. Uh, seven out of the eight finished bottom of their group. Mm. Only one went, uh, one went through. So you can see how difficult it is being in that fourth pot here. You're up against it from the very start and we all look like, ah, maybe we can take something off Shakhtar, maybe we can take something off Leipzig. But And these teams are all good with 50, 60 million pound rated players in them mm. that can change a game like that. So look, Celtic have learned a lot from it, I presume. the It needs to be the desire to stay at that level, keep competing at that level from the club, but also has to be a desire from the players and management to compete at that level as well. So the players have to go away and think about what they learned in there and take it on, take it on. You need to be more clinical. You need to be more ruthless. You need to be crisper with your passing. You need to concentrate more. You can't let guys run off you. All these simple things that they have to take into their game now and the club need to go away and go, right, we know the level now. We maybe know one or two positions we need to fix here and go from there because look, this is where you want to be. Mm. The only team that qualified, as I said, was Club Bruges, and they've been in the Champions League for five years in a row. That's what we've done. We spoke about it last week and the week before. That's the level we have to get to. But I think as well, we had a bit of bad luck having McGregor, Carter Vickers, yeah. Jota all out for more than one game a lot of the time. That's three of Celtic's four best players for me. And to have them out of the team, it's going to be so difficult. We need everything to go away to get a win in the Champions League. That didn't happen for us. When I'm watching this Champions League stuff, Stephen, I'm sort of picturing a couple of years forward, Matt O'Reilly or Juranovic or Carter Vickers doing one of these interviews where they ask them, who's your toughest opponent? 
and I feel like it's all going to be guys from this Champions League campaign yeah, yeah. Matt Riley's going to go oh god I played up against Modric oh, he was unbelievable Tony Cruz I played against <laughs> he was ridiculous Mudrik terrorising Juranovic you know I, I just feel like these are the conversations these guys are going to be having later in their career yeah and it's a good it's a good learning curve and all that That that's it as I say that my my experience with the game was very different because I'm I'm a fan and I'm not learning all these things. But I, eventually, uh, when I say I'm I'm glad it's over, I saw the penalty within the first five minutes. I yeah. think it was, and I was just like, "This is going to be some night. This is going to be a a long, long ass night." So that I mean, if we carry on the business class analogy, not, yeah. I feel like we we did we did all right. We got through it, but mm. we're kind of walking off the plane with our pockets bulging with <laughs> complimentary cashews and <laughs> embarrassing ourselves. Like try to pay for drinks. No, it's free. Oh, mortified. So, so we'll we'll know next time. We'll mm. know next. We'll know how to work the buttons on the the, uh, the screen and all that. So we'll we'll be a lot more comfortable next time. But I the the Real Madrid was one game too many for me. But that that's not to say I didn't enjoy it the whole way uh, along. Uh, I really enjoyed being at the Real Madrid home game. I thought that was that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, obviously lost, but I thought I, I really, really enjoyed that atmosphere and first half performance anyway. Yeah, I think the thing that maybe got me a bit was the comments after the game. Steve McMahon and Stuart Armstrong were in the studio. Stuart Armstrong was actually pretty good, so yeah. I think he could have a career in there. But Steve McMahon even sort of gave a, like a look, I've enjoyed watching Celtic play. They've just not taken their chances, but I can see progress and it is a learning curve for them. And that's a guy with nothing in it for Celtic. He's just a guy, mm. a complete neutral watching Celtic going, do you know what? They try and play the, the, the game the right way. They'll learn from this and go on. I thought, do you know what? See if he can see it. Then maybe we are right in what we're saying. Like, there is progress here because he's not. he doesn't have to go on and say that. Yeah. He's, he's there as a neutral, as I said. And Stuart Armstrong was quite, he's like, look, it's a hard level he's played at it. Steve McManaman's won it a couple of times. Mm. They know what it takes to play there. So, but we can take the positives from it and move on. And it's just a pity we couldn't get that victory that might have allowed us like a couple of ties in the Europa League after Christmas because I always like yeah. having European football after Christmas. Well, well, that's what I was going to ask you. If I was to say right here today, I'll give you the Champions League again next season or progression in the Europa League, what are you taking? <sighs> Me personally? Mm. The Europa League. Are you? Aye, because I'd, I'd prefer a run at something rather than just be just in something. Visitors. Yeah, I, just visitors. You, you don't want the free upgrade. You want to, you want to fly <laughs> premium economy <laughs> on the regular. Is that what you yeah, want? Yeah, basically. Uh, it's, uh, again, it's, that's kind of how it works, isn't it? Because uh, there's conference economy, then there's yep. premium economy, then there's business class. There yeah, you go. There, there you go. There we go. I think we've absolutely nailed and in no way stretched this analogy no, past breaking point. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, it's just a personal choice. I appreciate that the... There is more to be taken from playing against these players at a higher level mm. from, a, again, I've already said it, but from a playing and coaching point of view and all that. But from a fan's perspective, I'd rather see us just do something in Even Europe. Even against worse teams, yeah. Aye, aye yeah, I'm, I'm, comfortable, I'm comfortable with that though. I don't, yeah. I'm not particularly insecure about the fact that Celtic aren't at that level. I know mm. a lot of people, and this is a kind of side issue as well, but Melly, you've li you listed all the injuries we've had to deal with in this Champions League run as well. And I think that the... The older I get and the, the more into this this team that Angie's kind of revolution I, I, I become, I'm just less tolerant of the conventional football wisdom that we're meant to just put up with. Like pundits, it's dead easy to just go out in there and say, I okay, we're missing basically the four best players in the team, but you need to do better. You criticise you your pod mate here. No, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> criticising, I'm criticising the people. Melly, 
brought the the injuries to mind. I'm mm. saying that the people who just sit there and say, "Oh, Celtic need to do better there." They yeah. need, oh, they need th the two points. Absolutely pathetic. Meanwhile, we're missing Carter Vickers, who is the the designated adult of the yeah. defence. <laughs> basically holds yeah. it all together. Your captain, your most creative player. To to say that you just need to go out there and do better. Mm. Don't get gubbed off Real Madrid under those circumstances. Tell us how to do better. Nah, don't just say do better. It's ridiculous, and I. I it's just one of those football speak things that people do. Just say, oh, you need to do better there. You need to do better than two points. Well, do you? I, I want the Champions League again. Mm. I've had a taste for it and I can see us having an crack at it and maybe doing a bit better and maybe getting that scalp. I, I'll look at it and go, Neil Lennon didn't get into the Champions League. Brendan Rodgers had two cracks at it and got one win. We've had what two wins in ten years, I think, in the Champions League. Mm. So look, it's getting difficult. It's not built for Celtic anymore. But the only way Celtic are going to build a team for this is to be in it, bank the money, get better players, get better infrastructure. I love the glamour ties. It's mm. all about that for me. And I think with the this team, these players, I think the only way you can progress is to have Champions League, that Champions League carrot dangling. Look look at this, Matt O'Reilly played in the Champions League for us. He's away down to England for X amount. It, it's how we could sell players. The, a team that got through uh, during the week was Benfica. And the only way they've done that is because they've made the most money from player trading over the last 10 years or so. Mm. This is what Celtic need to do and aspire to. And I think we're at the point where we've got players good enough, more than good enough for Celtic. They're just no good enough for the Champions League. Yes. And the only way we are going to do that is by getting to play in the Champions League and become Champions League players because we're not going to buy them. So I'll do what Ange's presumably insinuating. Get rid of Turnbull. Get rid of Turnbull, <laughs> aye. Sell them on and bring in better ones. No, I do agree. I think there's a case as well that the, a lot of the players are just... We just... If we could just magic up slight improvements in some of these players, we would have done a lot better. Obviously, that's a lot easier said than done. And Stephen, we'll have the best of both worlds, right? We'll go into the Champions League, finish third, and go into Europa. Oh, of League course, and... I forgot about that. Yeah, I, right. I forgot about that. We safety net. That well, there, is, yeah. there is that because option. If, if you finish uh, third, you get a bye, don't you, into the Europa League? So that would be being better run, wouldn't it? So, uh, so we're out of business class with a parachute <laughs> on, trying to land into a different plane, a, a different inferior plane. Basically, and, right. and, and one <laughs> thing course. I would say about the Europa League is success in the Europa League, you know, reaching the end of that tournament, not necessarily winning it, but reaching the final of the Europa League doesn't really guarantee <laughs> it's going to give you the tools to perform <laughs> In the Champions League, no. does it? I mean, you could say for talking sake, we made the final of that um, that Europa League, right? You could get yourself into the Champions League next year and just get relentlessly <laughs> pumped. Ceaselessly. Uh, ceaselessly. Where even you've got us watching it, begging for mercy. Stop, please. <laughs> Liverpool, Napoli, no, come on. S just shit got unseemly. Got ugly. We had to stop watching it. <laughs> Think of the coefficient, guys. Think of the coefficient. <laughs> get a higher coefficient than us. That's right. Unbelievable. In the country, unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> um, couple of games left before the World Cup. Who is it, Melly? Uh, Motherwell away during the week, then Ross County at home mm. at the weekend. Then they all off to Oz. Oh, then we're off to Oz to pray. Is uh, Frank Lampard still the uh, Everton manager? Remarkably. Unbe that's no. unbelievable. Never saw that coming. Yeah. Unbelievable. So it's uh, Celtic v... Frank Lampard's Everton in Europe obviously we've got another flagship before then we'll all talk about that but most of all we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to 20 Minute Tim's Celtic Fans Podcast thanks for listening Small details are big surfaces 
tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.